Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of NG Meets. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with the wonderful Cassie Bradley. If you've not heard that one yet, you can check that and all previous episodes at ngdigital.podbean.com or at whatever podcast app you use. This week we're speaking to Nottingham Refugee Week team members, uh, Alan Najanji and Dr Anna Ball. They're telling us about Nottingham Refugee Week, which is taking place as we speak from the 15th to the 21st of June. Uh, Obviously, like many festivals, it's had to go virtual this year and they had some huge plans lined up. Uh, They've got some funding for this year, so that was a bit of a blow. But they tell us about how they've adapted it for this year. Uh, Some of the events they've got on as it happens, they've got uh, some great podcasts available from um, writer Eve Marcus, one of which is a chat... Sorry, Eve Marcus. One of which was a chat with... um, Christy Lefteri is author of the excellent The Beekeeper of Aleppo, which is a hugely popular book. Uh, there's also a host of other stuff. There's a documentary called um, Sounds of Hospitality, which follows six migrant musicians as they travel across Europe. Um, there's a host of other events going on, and there's an activity pack you can get, which uh, they talk about in the show. So you can find out more about that at NottinghamRefugeeWeek.org. Uh, but it was great to chat to... Um, Alan and Anna, we talked about uh, how they got involved in Nottingham Refugee Week, as well as obviously the the adapt, um, adaptations that they've had to make this year, and and a little bit about the plans for next year, where they're going to be where they've pushed things that would have been this year's event uh, to that. Uh, we also talk about why events like this, you know why this is so important, why it's important not to forget about you know, refugees at such a crucial time as this, when obviously there's so much going on. And about how the refugee community has been impacted uh, by the coronavirus and the lockdown, and the uh, you know the issues they face, things like language barriers, um, use of the NHS, and concerns over that, and things like that. So it was very interesting to look at things uh, from that point of view. So it was great to chat to to both of them and find out more. So do head over to NottinghamRefugeeWeek.org to find out more about the festival that's taking place, as I say, as we speak. Um, up until the 21st. So, with that said, this is uh, NG Meets Nottingham Refugee Week. I'm here today with uh, Dr. Anna Ball and Alan Najanji, and you guys. (laughs) 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 And uh, you guys are from Nottingham uh, Refugee Week. Uh, What's the official title? Is that the official title of the group? That's right. So Nottingham Refugee Week is the name of the festival that we organise each year in Nottingham. Brilliant stuff, and obviously. Uh, this year is very different, as we're going to come to in a bit. You've had to adapt the festival, change the festival, uh, and that's something that's happened, you know, for organisations across across the world, effectively. So we'll talk a bit about how you've adapted the festival to uh, the current situation. But before we get into that, if you could sort of give us a bit of a background on 
how Nottingham Refugee Week came about and how you guys got involved in it. Uh, sh- shall I start, yes, Alan? Sorry, yeah, sure. <laughs> Jump in if you want to stop me at any stage. Well, Nottingham Refugee Week is a festival that's been running in Nottingham for quite a few years now, um, for over a decade. And it was originally started um, by an organisation called Long Journey Home, which sought to use cultural activities as a way of educating people about the issues that refugees face, but also creating an atmosphere of solidarity and welcome in our city around asylum seeking and refugee communities. And since then, it's a festival that's grown and grown and it's gathered support amongst not only refugee support organisations, of which there are many in Nottingham, it's also gathered a lot of support amongst arts and cultural and sports organisations as well, um, and many other supporters beyond that. So it's become a really vibrant festival that um, aims to showcase the many skills and contributions that refugees and asylum seekers make to our city and beyond, but which also aims to educate people about the issues that refugees face and to encourage them to act on those issues. Um, So each year we have a wealth of different events that take place from book launches to film programmes which take place across the city um, to plays and musical events that are put on as well as things like community meals and more grassroots events Um, and I became involved in Refugee Week through my academic work through which I um, study and research the ways in which uh, particularly refugee women are represented in literature and film and I became very troubled and very concerned by the way in which refugee women are often made to signify in our culture um, and I became involved in a women's group which runs at the refugee forum called the Pomoja women's group and via that found out about refugee week and thought that it was a really superb way to make cultural activity matter to make it work for us for a purpose in our city and um, uh, my involvement uh, with refugee week started um I think around 2009-2010 because uh, I'm from a refugee background and uh, I was helped by Nottingham Refugee Forum from around 2008 uh, through the whole process of applying for asylum and I was granted that in 2013. Um, During the years that I was an asylum seeker, I was approached by Stuart Brown who was on the board for Nottingham Refugee Week and uh, he wanted to find out if I would be prepared to come on board and kind of offer the experience, you know, the refugee experience within the planning stages of, uh, of, the, of the refugee committee. So I've been involved in that uh, number of years. And then when I got my status, I kind of veered off and then I was doing something else. I went into the creative industry and uh, that's where I got to know Ben Walsh because um, I did TV and film production at Conferti. And so essentially I'm a filmmaker and I've been involved in uh, creating documentary films um, pertaining to refugees and asylum seekers and uh, the challenges that they face, not only on their journeys from their, from their own countries, but also when they even arrive in UK and the challenges that, that they face in integration. And uh, some of my films have been shown, uh, some of the uh, Refugee Week events, I think that was in 2000 and 13 uh, in Leicester 
and then uh, now I was called to come back on board by Anna. Uh, that was the last year, and um, Anna actually happens to be my supervisor for uh, for my PhD degree, and um, it's a practice-led PhD in, in, in the fact that I'm going to be producing. Um, a podcast and some short films and the documentary as well at the end of the course. And my my outcomes will be focusing on the lives of refugees and trying to give a new perspective, you know, uh, a new narrative comparable to the mainstream media narrative of refugees and asylum seekers. So it's kind of giving a fresh voice and a fresh take, really. Yeah, and I think that's uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in, the, in this was also, it was about the sort of the narrative that we're seeing in the media, which has got obviously more and more hostile, it feels over here. I don't know if Alan, you've noticed that it's it's got more hostile since in the time you've been in the UK, um, and yeah. obviously it seemed to get very toxic around the the time of the the uh, European referendum. Precisely, um, yeah. And it was yeah. you know despite being a completely different situation, but it. It, it sort of played into that that narrative and it was played by you know certain individuals and yeah. so uh, so how how have you sort of found that changed in the time you've been here has it or do you think it has got more hostile over the sort of last decade yeah precisely um I, you know i would say uh, starting from around 2016 you know when the referendum campaign started um there has been an increased attack, you know, as in, you know, a change in narrative. Or when when, when refugees are being described, uh, people use dehumanizing terms, you know, uh, and this hasn't this has actually been exacerbated by you have politicians who want to take advantage of the situation. Um, I myself have faced um, racism um, by British uh, by the police here in Nottingham. Which is so sad because you'd have thought that those are the people who were supposed to be um, kind of making you feel safe to protect you. Even though nowadays I would say that the rhetoric has kind of changed, but you always get it when there are instances of, um, uh, you know, when there are um, terrorist attacks. And you, you always notice that, you know, the language that depicts refugees or asylum seekers, yes, you know, these foreigners who aren't supposed to be in this country, it always increases. So it, it is something that refugees and asylum seekers always feel. It's unfortunate because we are aware that uh, the people who are always against refugees and asylum seekers, they're always in the minority, but it spoils it for the whole British community whom we understand and appreciate the fact that they try and make this place a second home for some of us. So unfortunately, it still exists and something that uh, I'm hoping some of my uh, films and uh, podcasts will be able to provide a, a different voice, you know, because many people, all, many people get their narratives from the mainstream media. There is hardly that avenue whereby people actually have to, whereby people hear the voice of or the refugee or the, or the asylum seeker themselves. So I'm hoping that uh, you know my course will be able to provide that alternative. Yeah, and that's it's so important that, that that narrative is challenged, isn't it? Because I feel like, as you say, the the main media aren't portraying that. I think a lot of that comes down to obviously, 
you know, the, the, the people that run those. But also there's an element, I think, and it, in this that of so in fear to make people feel better. There's, and, and it felt like this, and this goes not just within uh, refugees, but in general, there's an element of the, the people in charge always want to give us someone to focus our anger and fear on to point it away from them. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw this, you know, maybe not to the same degree, but certainly as we came out of the, um, the recession, when there was a, a sustained sort of targeting on um, benefit seekers. And again, like I say, with the refugees, it's almost like it's a, it's, it's just in a, way, in a way to, they always want to point people and give them someone to blame almost to stop them asking questions about the decisions being made and yeah, the um, media players yeah, um, yeah, it, it's funny because you know um you always get uh, people saying that uh, the refugees well by people here i'm referring to the, the the negative aspects within our societies you know when they say that refugees come here to get benefits mm-hmm. you know um it's it, it always surprises me because the journeys that most refugees make when they are fleeing persecution in their homes, you know, they put their lives uh, on the line. You know, we've, we always see children dying, you know, people being tortured, people being killed, you know, on the journeys. And honestly, would people think that they do, they do this to get 36 pounds or 25 pounds a week? It's, it surprises me, you know, I think we need to have a frank conversation and it needs to be a conversation where everyone is on the same platform, you know, because I feel that refugees are never given a fair platform. I think it's worth saying that that was one of the reasons that Refugee Week was initially set up. So it was initially set up as a national initiative in the 90s in response to what was then also a very hostile media environment in relation to matters of migration. And that hostile environment has again resurfaced and made the festival even more pressing. But one of the things that it aims to do is to create spaces for refugees' voices to be heard, but also for communities to come into contact with one another who would otherwise never have the opportunity to meet or be put on platforms alongside one another. Um, so this is one of the reasons that it's it's so vital at the moment for the reasons that Alan's also outlined. Definitely. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of, you know, because you always, you always feel like you're talking about the way it's coming back around again. And we always feel like, or you always want to feel that it's going to, that things are going to get better as we progress. And I know that arguably in the overall scheme that things obviously do get better. But it really does feel like we go around in these circles. And, you know, we've seen what, what's happened in America and in the UK recently, the last couple of weeks, and some of the things we're hearing being said. And you, you kind of almost feel like you've been thrown back 50 years. And it's kind of, it's kind of really, you kind of sometimes wonder. Do we, how do we get out of this mentality that we seem to keep for that massive parts of the population seem to keep falling back on? Yeah, or maybe, I don't know. Maybe those are just the loudest voices. <laughs> but it's certainly you know when you see some of the things being said by the people at the top that keep getting voted back in as well. Um, and as you say, and this is why these these kind of events are so important. 
and and that's why it's so important, I think, as well, that you have managed to be able to um, still move forward with the week, despite, obviously, um, the, the coronavirus, the COVID-19, the lockdown, the absolute wipeout of any kind of physical event happening. So what is it that you've, how have you managed to adapt to the festival for this sort of, uh, let's say, new world as it is at the moment? Well, I think it's worth saying that we haven't managed to do everything that we had planned for this year. And one of the things that I'd like to say, first of all, is that we do have some really fantastic plans in place for next year. We were incredibly excited this year because we were awarded um, £10,000 by the National Lottery Awards for all for a wonderful festival programme, which was going to be on the theme of our moving city. And it was going to include hosting a Nottingham-based refugee-led World Cup football tournament it was going to include a wonderful food festival which would bring different refugee communities together in the city um, and it was going to include a wonderful dance project all of which was going to be showcased at an open air launch on Stenton Market so we've put those plans on hold and have preserved that funding and a heads up to people that that will take place in June next year and there are still we hope <laughs> you know <laughs> touch wood who knows what the world yeah. would be like next year but the plan is at the moment that that will go ahead next year um, and it's worth saying that there is time for people to get involved with that launch if anyone wants to um, so please do get in touch with us if they'd like to um, but what we've tried to do is to revise our plans so that we've preserved our funding but have still given ourselves a presence and one of the things that we've done um, is to transfer some of the events online so we have all sorts of things happening over um, the week. We have films that are going to be available online. There's a wonderful documentary called The Sounds of Hospitality, um, which is linked to on the website, which I believe Alan was involved with um, tangentially in some ways That's at right, least. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we also have live events. We've got an online life writing session that's happening with Nottingham-based author Eve Mackis. That's going to be taking place on the 17th. We've got an online open evening with Host Nottingham Online. This is a wonderful organisation that invites people to host destitute asylum seekers and newly recognised refugees in their own homes. And they'll be running an online open evening at seven o'clock on Thursday, the 18th of June for people to find out more about how they can contribute to that. There's going to be an online um, concert of wonderful Iranian music and singing from Yana community on Sunday the 14th of June. Um, Bahia Yoga will be running their annual Refugee Week yoga event, but this year they'll be running a Yoga in the Garden World Refugee Day event on Saturday the 20th of June at 10am. And these are just some of the things we've got going up online. There are also lots of lovely resources like podcasts and um, interviews that you'll be able to listen to online as well. But one of the main things that we focused our attention on this year, actually, is on really trying to think about how the festival can reach out and do something concrete for people who might be struggling or in need at this time. And one of the things we've been really aware of is that refugee communities themselves might not necessarily have much access to online technologies to be able to sit at home and sit on 
laptops or use mobile phones with Wi-Fi connections through which they're able to um, stream this kind of material. And we've also been really aware that refugee families in particular have been under tremendous financial pressures, particular pressures of isolation, particular pressures of resources. Um, they may be without access to gardens. Um, they may also be isolated due to language barriers. And so what we've done is to partner with um, some of our many connections across the city, in particular City Arts and Nottingham Contemporary and the Nottingham Hate Crime action team at Nottingham City Council in order to produce an activity pack which will go out to 600 families across the city including refugee and asylum seekers and that pack will contain a specially designed brochure which has creative activities designed to keep families entertained and it also has resources like paints and crayons and brushes and glue and all the things that you need to keep your kids entertained for a week um, so that's where we've chosen to focus many of our resources and uh, if other people want to access that pack then there's an online copy of the booklet for that available on our website so please do go ahead and download that excellent i think that's that's an interesting point because i spoke a lot to different groups and uh no alan said he knows ben and obviously i spoke to ben a few weeks back about not stopping and uh, i spoke to a lot of people about the, the incredible things that people have been able to do using technology during this time and the way people have adapted and made, made use you know and the ability to be able to record a podcast like this uh you know virtually despite everything but there's obviously as you said that what's often overlooked is there are a large number of people that don't have that access be it you know like you know whether it's the the, the connection the broadband connection the equipment uh, something that's an issue that I know has come up with regards to homeschooling, you know, because people don't, you know, not all children have access to internet, laptops to do the homeschooling. And so that's something I think there again. And and I guess like you've talked about there, the isolation, and that only plays into that. So um, the, the fact that there's an opportunity out to get the pack out, I guess, and there's something I suppose, so I was going to ask you about how the, um, the refugee community have been impacted particularly you know during this time and there you say there's, there's obviously um, for some there are issues that are, um, are different than for, for, for the rest of us so um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I, sorry. Yeah. So, I mean I just wanted to say uh, the refugees and asylum seekers have been actually mainly affected negatively by this COVID because uh, especially let's say for asylum seekers whose applications have been submitted to home office, they're, they're, had, they're having these massive delays in processing of the applications. Here we're talking of people who might have sent the applications years. You know, home office takes a long, long, long time to process the applications. So this is more of an, another layer of delay that is uh, being added to the processing of the applications. And also, you know, on a special basis, there have been closures of social hubs like yeah. Refugee Forum, whereby people meet and be with family. By family, I'm talking of people who, people from their own country, people who, who, who speak the same languages as them, you know, that social aspect has been removed from them. 
and it's, it's something that we as a refugee community we find we, we find it as retrogressive because in trying to integrate refugees within a, a community, if you take away what uh, what is more like a social hub, that just takes them way back, way back. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got uh, uh, things like uh, uh, you know reduced face-to-face interactions with their caseworkers, because most of these refugees they they are still new to uh, to our communities. They don't know where to go for their housing if they've got housing. They don't know where to get help with the uh, um, with the health. They don't know where to get with if they've been given benefits. They don't know who, who uh, where to access those things. And now with such centers being closed. They've got no one, you know. It's so difficult for them to start having to call someone and if they don't speak the same language, then a third person has to be brought in for interpreting. It's it's mainly been so negative and it, it's, it's sad. I know that these centers are trying by all means to accommodate such challenges, you know, and try to reduce the negativity, but generally it has been a, a big negative um, for the refugee community. It is sad. It is really sad. Yeah, I can imagine. And what about actual, when it comes to actually sort of getting help for those that are, you know, suspect or have the actual virus? Because, of, again, these same issues with those language barriers, and I imagine there's some of them that are, are anxious about medical attention if they don't know, you know, their status with regards to using uh, emergency, so NHS and things like that. So... How, that must have been a that must be a very difficult thing to deal with yeah. for people within the community as well. Yeah, it, it is because remember we we're dealing with a very vulnerable group of uh, members of the community. Some of them even didn't have were not registered with the uh, with, with the doctors. Yeah, you know. So if such a person gets uh, infected, then that's a more or less death sentence for him or her. You know, um, I know that uh, the, I mean, like I said, the Refugee Forum, we've got uh, uh, um, a, a section of, 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 the, of the forum which deals with, uh, with health for, 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 uh, for these newcomers. But those are, those are some of the challenges that are, in most cases, dealt with properly when there's that face-to-face contact with the caseworker. You know, if there's no, case, if there's no face-to-face contact, then you're hoping First of all, that if a refugee has got a phone, you're hoping that they have got enough credit in the phone to be able to call the caseworker, and hopefully he or she is able to speak English. If not, then you know they have to go the, uh, to the route of trying to find an interpreter. It's 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 sad. It's sad. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, and I I imagine as well this that the there's quite a high percentage that are likely to be within the, the high risk categories as well. And obviously a tendency that they're probably working in higher risk industries if they are working and also more like, you know, more likely to have to use public transport yeah. and things like that as well, which we've seen, you know, so, and obviously that in itself is, we've seen how, uh, how it can be passed around via public transport and, areas where you know maybe social distancing and in you know where they've not necessarily been in support in those that are working have been in areas where they've been able to to stop working uh-huh. and isolate as well so again it's 
an increased risk. And I think we're also seeing, obviously, uh, reports that people um, from sort of uh, BAME backgrounds are potentially more at risk as well. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, the one factor that I've noticed, especially amongst the communities that I interact with, is um, there is a general disregard for qualifications or experience that people have in their home countries. Yeah. This has a direct link to, to such communities ending up having these low-skilled, you know, in quotes, low-skilled uh, um, jobs. And in most cases, these are jobs that not many British people want to go into. However, these are jobs in which uh, people become, uh, you are face-to-face -face with those who are, who are infected uh, with the virus. So it becomes high risk altogether. So it's, yeah. you are low skilled, but you, are faced, uh, you, you end up being in a high risk area. Yes. Yeah. And off, again, often jobs that cannot be done from at home. Precisely. So they they yeah. still have it, you know, people that are still having to go in and, and work despite this, you know. Uh -huh. And I think there's a lot of that's being overlooked. So, so obviously, like you said, the, so there's obviously a lot, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around refugees. There's obviously a lot of more support needed and obviously a lot more needs to be done at this time. Um, and you know, obviously at all times, but again, like you say, that the worry there that these the people aren't aware of, aren't getting the support to get the help when they need it at such an unprecedented time. Um, so with the, 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 the refugee week coming up, then I guess um, this, is, this again is about, as you say, hopefully changing attitudes towards refugees and presenting some of the positive stories that we're not seeing enough of. Um, yeah, precisely. Um, I've always said this, even to my uh, you know, committee members, that we always run the risk of only being a being seen or being heard that week only, you know. After the refugee week, there's a tendency that the awareness kind of uh, dwindles down. And I think this is something that uh, myself and other uh, refugee committee members, we're trying to ramp up the idea that we need to be active throughout the year. Being able to help refugees and asylum seekers shouldn't, shouldn't be a one-week event. You know, this is supposed to be on a continual basis, you know, from this year to next year, every single day, because we're dealing with members of communities who are affected on a daily life, you know, on a daily basis. And people are, are having to face all of these challenges on a daily basis. And if we are to be a, a normal uh, citizen, like any other British citizen, you know, we need our, not only our stories to be heard, but we need to be valued as well. At least that's what we, we, we are we, we are calling on, on society. So yeah. it is this raising awareness on a daily basis, every day of the year. Yes. I mean, we often hear, one of the things we often hear is people talking about, um, you know, you know, integrating into British society, you know, they don't want to integrate and things like that. But then, but how can people integrate if the people that they need to integrate with don't value them or respect them? Or welcome them. You can't integrate with people that don't offer you the chance to integrate. Yeah, um, integration is, 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 it is uh, a hot topic. Um, one of my films that I, uh, I, I produced uh, called uh, 
um, from foreign lands, it touched on the aspect of integration, whereby uh, issues like language, you know, was discussed by the refugees themselves, saying that we do not want to lose our language. Yeah, we prepare to learn English, but we don't want to lose our language. But that is one aspect that is being used even by some politicians that these people, you know, these refugees, they do not want to assimilate because they do not want to drop their language. I don't have to lose my language. It's part of my heritage. You know, when I have kids, I would want my kids to learn my heritage. It's, it's part of their culture. And I think Britain is good enough in that it, it, is, it allows this multidisciplinary culture within itself. You know, that dexterity of all cultures is one of the best things that can ever happen. And differences in language should, should be a plus, not a negative. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's how I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is one of the things that, you know, we try to do through Refugee Week, which is not simply to create a case for flattening culture so that everyone is in this same kind of melting pot, but rather to have an opportunity to experience and um, to see and to talk about different cultural identities, different cultural traditions, different cultural practices, um, different histories, different stories. Um, Britain is inherently hybrid, it always has been. And this is part of our culture. People have always moved in and out of Britain. Um, it is the nature of the country. And so recognizing that and celebrating it and also recognizing all of the journeys that we have within our own families is something that is really vital. Definitely, excellent. So um, with regards to the actual um, Refugee Week, if people are wanting to find out more about it and the events going on, and obviously you've talked about some of the events, where's, where are the best places that people can, can find out more? Because, you know, in the different places for where the events will be taking place and things like that in terms of the streams and things. Well, please do go to our website, first and foremost. So that's nottinghamrefugeeweek.org and the whole program will be launched there on the 11th of june you can also follow us on twitter at knots rw we're on facebook at nottingham refugee week and we're on instagram at uh, nottingham refugee week n-o-t-t-m refugee week so we're very active on social media um, and if anyone wants one of our activity packs or wants to get in touch with us you can also email us at nottingham refugee week at gmail.com um, so it's mainly via online online mediums that you're able to get in touch with us at this point in time as it is <laughs> the case <laughs> Um, you, we've talked a little bit about obviously the importance of um, of sort of organisations that are there to help refugees, it, the community centres. You mentioned the, the Nottingham Refugee Forum, um, and obviously at the moment, I, those kind of organisations are in real danger um, in terms of they're not able to run the lack of funding at the moment and support. So. How at the moment are people, you know, able to help those organisations and help the communities that need the help when those organisations can't be physically open? Because, you know, the, the need for help doesn't stop just because the world's on, but in fact it potentially gets greater. So what, what ways can people still help at this moment when you can't, you know, you can't go along and 
help out at a centre or things like that and you can't you potentially can't even you know donate because of issues in terms of face-to-face -face contact and things. I think it might be really important to begin by saying that actually lots of these organisations are still active and working really hard and in fact harder than ever before to try to support refugees and asylum seekers. So Nottingham Refugee Forum has still been um, with various initiatives such as food parcels. Um, just this week I've been in touch with Refugee Roots, with the Red Cross, with Nottingham Arimathea, with Host Nottingham and actually lots of these organisations are working overtime at the moment on extremely stretched budgets and um, in very difficult online precarious situations but lots of them are mobilising really creative strategies to be able to reach people. So please don't think that those organisations aren't working and in fact don't need support at the moment they do so you can still continue to donate to Nottingham Refugee Forum um, and to many other local refugee organisations within the city those donations will be more valued perhaps than ever before at this point in time um, so those are really valuable um, locations to turn to of course continuing to donate to food banks is also a really productive way in which you can help um, but I think also looking at community initiatives that might be running that offer you the opportunity in order to be able to support neighbours is very important. And perhaps looking about your neighbourhood and looking at those who you maybe haven't seen very much or who don't seem to be able to make contact or who might not be accessing um, forms of support. I think there's no harm in putting a note through those people's letterboxes and reaching out if you perhaps think that there's a family within your community who might benefit from that sort of support. Um, and perhaps you might be now a little bit more aware of some of the particular issues of isolation um, and financial pressure and linguistic difficulty that some of those families might be facing. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. It's something I've talked about before with a few people. It's, it, it's in an almost, um, paradoxical way it's almost like communities although you communities haven't been able to sort of physically interact the last couple of months you know you can't go around and have a drink with a neighbor or, or you know a friend who lives around the corner but at the same sense it feels like communities have almost been more more community spirited than i can certainly remember you know people as you said people are going out you know people are going out and doing the shopping for neighbors people are going uh, you know, you know, posting a note through the door, having a chat over the fence. So although, in almost a weird way, although you can't actually go round to these people, into different people, and you can't, you know, we're in a lockdown, yet it's fostered a community spirit that arguably been lost. Uh, so in, in it's almost, say it's almost like a weird paradox. I'm, hopefully it's something that, that we keep. That, I think that's the big thing, isn't it? There's, there's, this has been a rough time and it's going to stay a rough time, possibly for a generation, we know that the impact of this could be generation, a generation long in terms of, uh, you know, the economy, obviously the support for organisations, because we know, uh, I'm sure we all know that, that you know, certain organisations will be hit harder than others when cuts do come. But I'm hoping that there are the positives in terms of uh, the way people have come together and it, it certainly or did until recently feel like it was fostering a much better community spirit among among people and I'm hoping that's something that can stay although in the last couple of weeks have, 
I've made you wonder about that. <laughs> I think that's a really wonderful point, and we certainly hope that there might be some unexpected sides to this crisis that endure. Um, one of the most important things I think people can do, actually, is just not to stop thinking or talking about refugees and asylum seekers. I think that will be the great danger as we head towards recession and to economic impact, that somehow these groups of people are seen to slide down the scale of um, need or vulnerability or of priority within our society as other economic pressures start to come to bear. And so I think people just keeping a political mindfulness around these questions, keeping these issues on the agenda and continuing to campaign um, and think about these issues as being important might be a really crucial thing for us. Um, that's one of the ways in which I think we need to be mindful of how we continue to respond as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the other thing that, that, that I would want to say is as well, you know, I hope that people get their information from more than just one source. You know, um, I can just sit here and say, oh, people are, are getting all the information from the Sun or the Daily Mail. But, uh, you know, there, there is just, there are so many sources where people can get information. We are trying to raise info, uh, awareness for these groups and, you know, visit uh, our, like Anna said, you know, our social media pages, you know, and you always get uh, information relating to the lives uh, of refugees and asylum seekers. If not, you know, just go on YouTube and, uh, you know, Google narratives that are said by refugees themselves, not just to listen to one perspective. At least you become, your mind becomes broader that way. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it, that in this day and age, it's never been easier to get information and get a broad spectrum of information, but it's also never been easier to justify your view without making the effort to search it so you can if you know because of the way algorithms and things like that are built it's so easy that if you've got a mindset of something and you know m most people do have a, a you know biases in there you know we all have I mean, it's important to tackle that bias every day whatever it is but it is so easy to to find the support for it without making the effort to challenge it and i think that it's it's, again, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we might have thought that this, actually, you know, the internet and bringing us all this information would make people more open-minded. And it has some, but it has also made it some people more claims-minded, I think it's fair to say, <laughs> as we've seen in, you know, in, in local elections, well, not local, but elections across the world. Things that have happened, we seem to have got, uh, you know, more a rise in extreme extremism certainly seems a thing that's come over the last few years and it's i don't know i don't i wish i knew the answer to tackle that as i said and i think all it is 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 people to keep trying to put forward the narrative there's all you can do is put it out there and try and find ways to get it to people um, whether those people whether people read it or not is it's just if, if that's the, that's the difficulty isn't it yeah. yeah, particularly the people. You know, it's easy to put it out there, and you know that, and make sure you know there'll be people that will read it. But they're a lot of the people that read it are the people that are probably already sharing that mindset. <laughs> they're not the people, you know, that you want them to read it, but they're not the people we're trying to reach. We need yeah. to reach those people that haven't 
looked at that side of it yet and that's where it gets difficult particularly yeah. such what feels like such a polarizing time maybe that again maybe that's something that's will change in the aftermath of everything where we've suddenly found something like this comes along and everybody's affected um, yeah i mean uh, but my fear is you know all it's going to take is just another terrorist uh, event and then we are back to square one yeah you know, that's why I'm, I, I'm i'm for the idea of pushing this every single day of the air because the moment we keep quiet and then some some politician opens his mouth and says the wrong thing all of the good effort that would have made you know is washed away yeah. so sometimes it's best that I, I, personally i say the onus is on me as a refugee you know to be able to speak out if i'm not heard that's fine but at least you know i need to take uh, action myself or in one of the within someone within the refugee community the onus is upon ourselves to to say what it is that we feel you know for people to hear outside of the story because people are not hearing us out but you know what it's not you're absolutely right alan but it's not just a burden that refugees have to carry it is everyone's responsibility to have to think about these issues and speak up about them personally i'm of the view that one of the best ways to fight negative reactionary political discourse is by turning to completely different kinds of narratives and that's one of the reasons why i think cultural and creative narratives are such an important way to engage with people at a totally different level you know you can engage with families who might be bound up in communities that have really deeply entrenched political views that they've held for decades and decades and generations and generations but if you can find a creative or a community activity that brings families together with refugee families then that is a way that those views can finally be broken or challenged so turning to things like creative activities community activities cultural narratives that invite us to imagine and to think and to create in ways beyond this constant back and forth of political fighting, I think has to be one of the methods that we look towards in terms of creating progress. And actually that cultural narrative has always been there. It's never gone away entirely. There are always people capable of imagining differently or thinking differently or speaking differently. And I think now is a time when we have to really turn to the power of those creative narratives. Um, and that's one of the reasons that something as small as a cultural festival, which yeah, might yeah. <laughs> seem, you know, like a luxury really, is actually vital at this time because it isn't a demonstration. It isn't a petition taken to Parliament, these things which are also going on. It, but it's a completely different medium that invites people to step outside of that discourse in which they have to take a position and actually just to try to be human and just to try to connect at a different level. Yeah, it's, I think it's also a celebration, isn't it? Uh, yeah. in, a, in a sense of, like you say, it's of the creative work uh, yeah. that refugees have done, or are doing, have done, and will keep doing. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a reminder of, of the wonderful benefits that, that being a multicultural society brings to this country, which, yeah. and it, which it always has, you know, I think you said earlier, that's what this country is built on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Sorry, Darren, I was just going to say at this point, it might be a really nice moment actually to tell you about the competition that we're running this year, um, which is in line with the theme of National Refugee Week, the theme of which is Imagine. 
and um, we're running a competition we're inviting people across the city anyone to respond to a challenge in any creative medium that we want that they want to use um, they could use arts craft dance music sculptures made from recycling they could write a poem um, they can do anything they want um, but we're inviting them to try to imagine what Nottingham might or could be like in 2021 and um, they're welcome to submit that as a video or as an image or as a piece of work um, to our email account nottingrefugeeweek at gmail.com or to tweet it or to tag us on Facebook or Instagram um, but the reason that we've run this competition is because that's really what Refugee Week is about. It's about imagining the possibilities for our city and for a world in which things might be different. And actually, this is a moment at which we have a really extraordinary opportunity to do that. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, I think that obviously, you know, we could spend probably hours uh, discussing you know what you know the different things that need to happen and, and things but i think uh, i think the best thing for, for now is for people to to check out the festival the week the different events going on and you know and to decide to make sure they they signed up to the page whatever ready for as you've talked about next year which is going to be a huge huge event um, assuming we're allowed back outside by then <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I don't want to. I don't want to tempt fate on anything like that at the moment. So, but yeah. But um, as you say, you you know you've had to adapt this year, and as you say, you know you had so much planned for this year that obviously I imagine it was a huge blow when all this happened. You know, pulled the rug from under you. You've you've adapted and, you, and you've put together. I think was some fantastic events that are going to be extremely helpful for people and also you still manage to create things that people can engage in so the activity packs the competition and things like that so and it's so important that, that something still happens because as you've mentioned the it's so important that that refugees are not forgotten about especially at this moment um you know it's it's such a a tough time and other people are you know across the world are, are so worried about a whole host of things at the moment that they weren't worried about six months ago well that doesn't take that doesn't change any of the other issues that were already going on and potentially have got worse so it's so important to uh, to make sure to, to make sure the refugee communities are not forgotten particularly as we come out of this and as i think you said earlier you know we know that we're in for a, probably a rough ride ahead in terms of uh, the economy is going to hit massively hit and we all and we know that um we, we i think we, we all know that certain sectors are, are probably going to take the brunt of the the hit and it's making sure that a fight is put up to protect those organizations and those communities that are potentially going to come under the spotlight because i think i think we know there's going to be there's going to be calls from certain sectors to cut funding you know, for refugees, international uh, support and things like that. You know, we, we know they already were before this even happened. So it's so important that people uh, are there, are, are fight back against that and, and have the knowledge to fight back because, you, you know, you've got to be able to, if you're going to fight back about it as well, you need to, to be able to put a case forward. 
that I think it's like, you know, or it might not be the event that was being planned for, but it's so important that, you know, to keep the conversation going, I guess. So, uh, so yeah. So, well, thank you for, for chatting to me and taking time out of the day. Um, and obviously, I'm sure you're, you're both really busy with your, the festival fast approaching. Um, in fact, while people are listening to this, it'll actually be on, it'll be going on as it were so but, but again thank you for taking time to chat to me and uh i hope it goes really well and you know maybe we can hopefully we can chat again uh, ahead of next year's festival but possibly you know an actual in-person recording so <laughs> wonderful thank you yeah. so much darren it's been great talking to you today really appreciate yeah. the opportunity Brilliant. Thanks Thank for you having us, Mace. We'd appreciate no worries. it. No worries. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and hopefully, it won't be too long till we're all out of this. Absolutely. But yeah, but in the meantime, yeah. uh, stay safe. Okay. Thanks so much. Cheers, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Darren. Bye. So thank you very much there to Alan and Anna for joining me. As we said, Nottingham Refugee Week is taking place as we speak and you can head over to nottinghamrefugeeweek.org to find out more about what's going on and there's plenty there. And uh, do you know do check out the organisations men- mentioned in the episode as well, organisations that really need your support. Um, as we said, I think there's going to be a tough time ahead. For, well, there's going to be a tough time ahead for everybody, but I think we know, you know, some of the things we're seeing about what's going on and uh, history will suggest we know what kind of um, communities and organisations are going to be targeted when cuts come and it's going to need people to fight back against that. So that was a great. Thank you again for them for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. The uh, I can't announce the guest yet. We're recording this week, but I don't want to say anything, obviously, because particularly at this moment, it's, it's so difficult. Anything can change at the drop of a hat. But keep an eye on uh, our social media, Twitter at NGDigitalUK or Facebook.com forward slash NGDigital and we'll let you know who's going to be on as soon as we can. Thanks again for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. As ever, you can check out all episodes of NGMeet at NGDigital.podbean.com or you know Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict or whatever podcast app you use. Thank you and we'll be back next week.